0: Welcome back for another episode of the Vitamin C's podcast, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. I am your host, Tim Shields, and I am joined by my buddy, Wayne Breezy Brown, on a beautiful Thursday. Wayne, before we get into it, how are you feeling, man? How are things?
1: I'm doing good. I'm feeling 2-0 right now. So Mm -hmm. I I don't know how happy that makes you feel or makes everybody out there that's listening and watching feel, but it feels really, really good to be 2-0
0: especially when there was a couple of chances where I felt like the Hawks, especially in game two, they came out really strong. Celtics didn't really come out of the gates as hot as they should have, but they responded by the time the first quarter was over. They had been in a deficit for a good chunk of that first quarter and then just surged back into the lead and ended on a, a crazy Malcolm Brogdon, three pointer half quarter bank shot three at the buzzer. And that kind of felt like that set the tone the rest of the way. Right. Because It was just, overall, it's been a pretty commanding series from the Celtics so far. I I am interested to see if Atlanta goes smaller. I know that a big part of what's been sort of screwing them up, and this ties back into what we talked about we were talking about keys to this series, Al Horford. Al Horford is doing a number on these guys right now because he's stretching the floor, right? Clint Capella said as much. Uh, I believe this was pregame, game game two, so it was at the Hawks shoot-around. Um, he was being interviewed um, by a local reporter for Atlanta. And they were talking about, you know, the series overall and how they're approaching things defensively. And Clint Capella specifically said Al Horford was kind of taking him out of things because basically by him, it's not like he was like getting his shots off. That's the way he put it, but because he's on the floor, I have to account for him. So he's pulling me out of there. He's pulling me out of the paint. So I can't help my teammates there. And so what it does is it just creates more space. So it's kind of just throwing their entire defensive rhythm out of whack. The uh, the Hawks only have one player who is like a positive net rating, and it's John Collins. Everybody else, both of their centers, both Clint Capella and uh, Onyeka Nkongwu are uh, having a really, really tough time with the Celtics. But that's like crazy how they've managed to attack it because I think that's like the one – to me, that's like the one big strength that Atlanta has is they've got those classic bigs that can, you know, block shots and get rebounds. And the Celtics are still finding a way to exploit that by just trying to space the floor out a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because when I look at the rebounds, I mean, it's the offensive rebounds that, you know, seem to pile up. A lot more for the Atlanta Hawks but then when you finish watching the game and you go to the box score and you be like dang they only out rebounded us by two <laughs> like you know what I mean it just seems like those big guys are getting those second chance uh opportunities for the teammates and it always seems to just leave to like a three-point shot uh, for the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, but what a great game it was to watch these guys kind of like get battle tested at the beginning. Like you said, they started off very slow um, and their shots just weren't falling. But what was working was them attacking the rim. And so you got about 35 text messages from me saying, why don't they just attack the rim? They can't I was stop at us darts. Inside. I
0: saw my phone lighting up and I was like, oh, Wayne's watching the game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm like, dude, dude it it's it, they they're scoring at ease just going into the paint i mean what was the paint points in this game for the celtics 64 G2. 64 paint points they were scoring at ease i'm not listen i'm not a brain scientist but if it ain't broke don't fix it and then the celtics always do silly stuff right and i get it if you could get the three-point shot to fall, you're just going to keep piling on on the lead. But they weren't falling. And it was – and and, and uh, what's his name? Um, DeJounte Murray just started getting hot from he the did. three-point he line. He did start.
0: He had a couple like possessions where he just brought it up. And <sighs> even with, like, a hand in his face, I was like, he's going to hit that. And he was just – he got hot from deep. And it was pretty cool to see because like, I do like DeJounte Murray. Um, I, the funny thing is, is when you look at the whole situation with the Spurs and how they traded their guards – It kind of feels like, and this might be a hot take, I saw someone else kind of mention it. Um, I want to say it was Max Liss, who I follow on Twitter, was talking about maybe Derek White was actually the better guard of the two to go get, which I think is like a crazy hot take. But then look at how good Derek was in that game, too. Yeah, He was the second leading scorer. I think it's pretty, I don't know if it can be debated at this point, but it feels like he is the third best player on the Celtics team. Okay. When when they're when they're I, at full strength, I feel like that. Like you know, Rob okay. can push him for it, but I think I, that Derek has been so consistent and able to stay on the floor. I mean, twenty six points, eleven of sixteen from the field, two of five from three, seven rebounds, two assists, a steal, and three blocks. Like, <laughs> damn man, I I just I can't believe how good he's been this season, and I don't think anyone really saw him having this kind of leap.
1: I. I know I didn't. And even at the beginning of this season, he seemed too indecisive for me. And to me, that's a weakness. And then some at some point he just turned it on. I don't know if it was the time he had to become a starter because of Marcus Smart's injury or whatever happened. He just flipped a switch and he hasn't turned it off. Ever since, I mean, he is the best defending point guard in the league. Like, he has the most blocks. Sh- I mean, he's blocking everybody's shot left and right. You know what I love about Derek White? He just doesn't give up on a play. He's like the LeBron James of point guards right now. He's not giving up on the play. Like, you think you got him, and all of a sudden, here he comes. Here he comes blocking your shot. So, Derek White has been like definitely the key cog in the Celtics offense. And I think what's really, I think what we're really witnessing, though, Tim, is the fact that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, that's your one and two or one A, one B, however you want to look at it, they trust him now. And that's the key. I I think it was more like Jalen, like, I got to take these shots because Derek's not going to shoot or somebody, you know, you can tell that he's trusted. He's trusted with not turning over the ball. He's trusted in making the right pass. He's trusted in taking the three-point shot. He's trusted in finishing around the rim. And I think he's getting that because of his hustle, his hard work, his defense. And just his ability to score in the paint is ridiculous because I'm like, he's not going to make that. There's no way that's going in. And it goes in. He's not getting the foul calls, though. But he's making his shots. So Derek White is on point. He's
0: been on point. that floater is nice that he's got. And I think the the key thing that you talked about with confidence, I think that comes from empowerment. He's got a whole team behind him who is encouraging him to shoot, encouraging him to be aggressive. And the team seems to be doing the same thing with Robert Williams, trying to have him develop some kind of close to the basket game where it's not just – lobs and alley oops you know he's you know putting the back to the basket you know trying to get a pump fake you know get get the ball in some kind of way whether it's you know a back down bruiser kind of way or developing that mid-range shot I mean as soon as Rob does that that's going to be amazing but for Derek I feel like it's just a matter of being comfortable and confident and assertive I mean we've seen it a couple times this season where Jason Tatum's talked about it where we we've told him to be aggressive we need him to be aggressive for this team to be good. And to his credit, that's exactly what he's done. He's gone out there and applied himself even more uh, every single game. And I think it's, it's pretty cool to see that kind of effort being rewarded. I mean, the guys get an MVP chance. Like, I know it's just like everyone buying into hype and this is what the playoffs are. But like, if you told me at the beginning of the season that Derek White was going to get MVP chance at the garden I don't know if I would have believed you. I mean, like maybe it was like some kind of crazy thing, like maybe, you know, but he had a monster night and they really needed it. You know, Jalen's still dealing with that hand stuff. He still had a solid game, but it's still clearly bothering him. So Derek going in there and being that kind of guy who steps up in those situations, it's sort of just been, I feel like it's been the story of the season, right? Like he's just stepped up for people between Smart and Rob being hurt.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, When when you're looking at Derek White, he's just took a leap forward. And he's been the key, like I said earlier, like the key cog. Uh, And I want to talk a little bit about Robert Williams because another piece, like the the Celtics are like a nice-looking puzzle, right? And they just need certain pieces to do certain things. And so Rob, I mean, who finished the game with, what, the highest field goal percentage? I think it was 80%, if I'm not mistaken, four for five. The one he missed! I know he wants to smack himself in the head and say, how did I miss that? It was right there. It was an easy bucket. You know, he it was a bad pass. He caught the pass. The guy he was jumping over around him. There was nobody at the rim, and he kind of just, like, bunnies it out. But other oh, than that. I think I remember that one, actually. Yeah, that was his yeah. only miss. That's the only miss in the playoffs, now that I think about it. Like, other yeah, it's pretty much it's been lobs. It's, it's been, been lobs, lobs.
0: Or, like, just really close to the basket, like, getting an offensive rebound and just putting hey. it back up. And that's been big. That that's you, something that they seriously miss when he's not there.
1: If that's one of his strengths, utilize it. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense to play difficult basketball. We don't have to shoot all the damn time. That's my point. Like when we shoot and miss, they can they will out-rebound us. I read the wrong rebound stats. They we had 5 offensive rebounds in this game. They had 19 offensive rebounds in this game. Yeah. And, and but which is the, crazy. Which is crazy but the good thing was in the first half when they were getting those offensive rebounds, they, weren't, they couldn't really, they weren't scoring as much. But look, it was a good game. I think the Celtics did again, they closed out, right? And they had a way better third quarter than they did uh, in game one. That's great. They had a way better third quarter, right? And once they took control of the game, it was kind of like a wrap. But again, Atlanta, they're scrappy and they can shoot. We said this though. We said that they can shoot. We said that they can score. And we talked about their bigs on the preview before this series started. And that was going to be their ways to get in. Uh, Bogdan, how you ever say it, it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. Bogdan I think that's
0: Bogdanovich.
1: Yeah. He's, I, I don't like him. I don't like him or his brother. <laughs> like just, they just know how to play basketball. And they play it so well that they always cause a problem. I don't care if he finished with seven points. It doesn't matter. And, and so, But at the end of the day, they're headed to Atlanta. And uh, they just got to continue playing their style of basketball. I felt like Malcolm Brogdon is going to be key off the bench. And 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 can we, for a small brief moment of time, just talk about the use of Sam Hauser? And I, I'm going to say this, and I don't care what flack we get, but I rather see, I rather see Grant, I rather see Grant Williams in this series. Because Sam Hauser isn't taking those shots that that you, you want him to take. And then it's just like he's a liability on defense. And I feel like if you put Grant in, those bigs might still score, but there'll be well better contested shots. And if he ends up getting in foul trouble, you can still go to back to, you know, just a different type of rotation. But I think it's time to put Grant Williams in this rotation. Uh, what are your thoughts about that?
0: So – I think if I think if Atlanta goes smaller, like if Atlanta counters and starts yeah. to go small because they did turn to a smaller lineup and they started to have some success in Game 2 with it, if they turn to a smaller lineup, then I think there's a really good chance that you do see Grant Williams or Blake Griffin get into the fold here. I, I definitely understand it because for me, I think Hauser does need to take more threes in order to be effective, but he also isn't going to do something that you can hold against Grant, which is occasionally will hijack the offense or we'll have a bad offensive play because they'll get tunnel vision trying to make something happen that's what happens with grant sometimes and i i, I love grant you're right get, <laughs> dude dude needs to get paid and he's versatile he, like i i get it and when he's on he's on it's great but for hauser he, i don't think hauser's ever gonna go ahead and try to play outside of his role and i don't think you can say the same thing for grant so i think that's kind of like an a Like an attention sort of thing. Okay, I do get wanting to unleash Grant, and I feel like if it doesn't happen this round, then it will happen next. round. Oh, it's definitely happening in the next round against Philadelphia. It's like It's
1: it's happening. He's he's the dog. Like (laughs) need him, man. But but the reason the reason why I was saying that was because in this game it was just it was awkwardly weird that they were able to kind of like they were picking on Sam Hauser, so everybody was taking shots at him. Like, they would they would go at him. Now, he had a couple—he had just one really good defensive rep, man. And I just gave it to the offensive player who made the shot. I, I, I can't remember who it was, but he was on him. Like, I mean, on him. And, and the dude just hit him with the step back, and then it was just a poof. But I just feel like his defense is much more of a liability than Grant's, and I'd rather take Grant's defense and let the other guys score. I mean— when you're Sam Hauser and you, you play 14 minutes, almost 15 minutes, and you only hit, finish with, what, one point?
0: Um, He has Two three points. points. He, three he points. Was, three points. He only had one shot attempt, and it was from three. So he shot 100% on threes. He was 100%. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: He was 100%, period. But, like, at the end of the day, he's got to do more just to be effective. And I know the Celtics don't need it because they have other scorers but I I would like to see him, maybe they work. If they're going to use Sam Hauser, they got to make him more of an offensive threat. That's all I'm trying to say. If you're going to utilize him, he can shoot. That's his thing. He's catching shoot. If you're going to use him, have this kid run to the corner. Do what he has to do. They're not going to defend him. They're going to be doubling Jason Tatum, doubling Brown, scared of Al Horford. Speaking of that, Marcus Smart was finishing in the paint, too. Like, they're, they're just, we just have a bunch of problems for other teams. Let Sam Hauser shoot the damn ball. That's
0: my yeah. Thing. I mean, well, and so I get it in terms of trying to get if you're going to have him out on the floor, right, you you want him to have those kind of touches. But if if the offense just isn't that kind of flow and he's not getting those kind of looks, then it's a it's a completely different story. So I, I, I think sometimes teams do scheme to not have him be open like they know he's a capable three-point shooter and if that's the one thing he's going to do when he's on the floor and I do agree like I think that teams do attack him on defense because he's not as much a liability as he used to be I think there's like a like this image of him being a really really bad defender I don't think he's a perfect defender but I think he's gotten a lot better and he keeps guys in front of him but he's not as good a defender as Grant when Grant's locked in and that I agree with I think when you're going for defense and you're trying to take on size you're turning to Grant I mean as as we transition to a different conversation, I think Grant is very important when it comes down to facing teams like perhaps the Milwaukee Bucks if you yeah. face them down the line because he's very important when you're trying to defend a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo, which we talked about before we hopped on. He missed game two of this series against the Heat. The Heat still lost that game. Milwaukee pulled it, pulled it off, which was impressive. And now that series is tied up 1-1 and going to be going – to Miami at this point now because the first two games were going to be in Milwaukee so split the two games at home but now you have to worry about Giannis's health I don't know if we've gotten any kind of update on whether or not what his status is for game three but you know you have that and the Tyler Harrow injury I feel like that series is gonna go longer and those two teams are just gonna beat the bag out of each other but the fact is is like if Giannis is dealing with any kind of health issues even if the Bucks get past uh, the Heat. I just don't know how confident I would be in the Bucks getting further if Giannis is dealing with any kind of injury. And I think someone commented in our last video, but back
1: injuries are pretty serious. Those
0: can those serious. can those can those can
1: linger, especially for a big guy. Yeah, and they strike a different chord too. Isn't just think about you, a regular person, just having a slight discomfort in your back. You're just not the same. (laughs) All day is ruined. (laughs) Clear my schedule. (laughs) What is this in my back? Oh, no, get it out. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so, look, it's going to be tough for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, Milwaukee and Memphis pulled out big wins without their star players out there on the Mm. floor. So I thought that was interesting. But I will say this. I feel like part of that is because team's game plan and don't know when them start those star players they didn't know they were going to be out they had a whiff that they were going to be out and they didn't really know who to prepare for who was going to be the person that was going to light it up especially in the Memphis game I can't even tell you the person that lit it up that got them 22 points tell me but he scored two points in the first game but that's the difference and they just I don't think the Lakers were prepared and perhaps the Heat weren't prepared for Giannis less. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks But I, I will say this That matchup Let them bang out Seven games Let them, let them bang each other's heads Kneecaps Uh, I'm Mighty Python Holy Grail Full <laughs> episode on that one man Bloody scratch Flesh wounds <laughs> That's I appreciate one of the, greatest the reference. Movies on time. I so. love that movie <laughs> <laughs> It's just a bloody scratch <laughs> Dude walking around with no arm What <laughs> you gonna do Bleed on me <laughs> Oh I mean, come on they're gonna duke it
0: out. I think they're gonna duke it out. I don't think that's a bad thing, especially if you're the Celtics looking in that situation. And if somehow the Bucs lose that series, you have home court throughout, throughout the, the playoffs. playoffs and in the finals. There's oh. no there's no way that anyone's gonna leapfrog you at that point. That's right. So it's just like take care of business for where you're at. I mean, it just it's crazy to me because you know, that whole charge situation was really really polarizing and we talked about in our last show you had a lot of people who were upset and a lot of pearl clutching about player safety and it seems that you got the exact opposite tone when it came to Draymond Green Mm. and Demontis Sabonis so I'm assuming the people who are listening to this or watching this know this but Kings and the Warriors faced off Warriors are down for the first time I think in a long time 2-0 in a series so that that's a big deal in itself But towards the end of that game, there was an altercation between DeMontis Sabonis and Draymond Green. DeMontis Sabonis gets boxed out by Clay Thompson, I believe, and kind of gets pushed off and ends up falling over. He goes to guard his face, and when he goes to guard his face, he ends up grabbing Draymond Green's leg. Immediately feels the tug and starts to let go, but Draymond Green takes it very personal and proceeds to stomp directly onto DeMontis Sabonis' chest and then, like, plants on his chest and then pushes off with one leg to jump over the rest of his body. And fans are going crazy. Stadium is ravenous. They are foaming at the mouth, going full feral, angry at Draymond Green, who's just loving it, swearing back at the crowd, trying to taunt them. Meanwhile, Demontis Sabonis is still on the ground. They've got the medical team checking him out. He, I think, his question, his status is like in question now because he had to get, you know, it checked out and everything like that. I think mean, he's got a bruised sternum. So, following all of that, originally the NBA says they're not going to suspend Draymond Green. They're like, whoa! they're like, we're not going to suspend him. And then there's this massive public backlash from pretty much everyone who's not a Warriors fan being like, how are you serious right now with this guy's reputation? You're going to let this slide. So the Warriors ended up losing him because the, the league came back. Joe Dumars came out and said, we're suspending him for a game based on the player, based on the situation and the president and sets. He's losing one game. Um, I think, it honestly, my hot take would be is if it weren't the playoffs, I think it would be two. But how do you feel about that? Because I feel like there are some people who are really polarized on this, and I feel like it's just, for me personally, it's cut and dry. Like, what he did was wrong, regardless of what Sabonis did. Like, you can, you don't have to be pro Sabonis in this situation to be like, yeah, Draymond Green took it a step far, and he needs to be suspended for that.
1: And that's what happened, Tim. He didn't take it a step far. He took that junk to level 100. What was the purpose, all right, of 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 literally like stepping on a person? All right, the dude has your leg. Pull your leg, try to get your leg out, pull it out so you don't fall. If you fall, maybe they'll call a foul. Maybe if you yeah. fail, they'll call foul. Mm-hmm. Common sense. But not Draymond Green, right? Not Draymond Green. He doesn't he lacks the common sense factor. I mean, it's all gone. And instead <laughs> of him, instead of him allowing the the, the officials to take the matters into their hands, he could have seriously, like, and and don't get it twisted. Draymond could have got injured. Sabonis shouldn't have grabbed his leg because Sabonis did, deliberately grab his leg, too. It wasn't, he wasn't just protecting his face. I watched that. He, he grabbed his leg and kind of put a little twist on it or whatever. And if that's what Draymond Green felt, I don't know about you, but I would have took it out on him on the next basketball play. He would have got an elbow chicken chop to the chest or something like that, which probably would have resulted in a technical, but it would have been way better or flagrant, but it would have been way better than him getting – Ejected from the game for one. And number two, getting suspended. And I'm not mad at the suspension because he literally deliberately tried to he stepped on a dude's chest and 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 and, and kicked. Like you can't do that. You gotta like the players the players gotta understand that A I know you're NBA superstar players. I get it. Be your role models too. I don't know which one comes first, but that's the league is trying to paint this picture because they want as many kids to live out their dreams and follow behind the superstars and the megastars. Why that fighting stuff? If you go 15 years ago, you could get a punch off for now. It was cool, but now, psh, you better not. It, like, it's it's just totally different. It's not and it's not the NFL. You can't even fight in the NFL, and it's the most aggressive sport in the world. Go ahead and punch somebody uh, in the NFL. Your behind is getting ejected. Like, fighting is a no-no, and I think what he did wasn't a basketball thing, and that's why he got suspended. Had it been a basketball thing, and they ejected him after he fell down for pulling his leg out, possibly I would be arguing on his behalf because he was the one that got the leg grabbed. But you ever been in that situation when, you know, it's a couple of you guys and, and usually the person that gets caught second, that's the one that gets in the most trouble. It's not the person yeah. that starts it. It's like,
0: well, it's like, it's like you're, you know, you got if you had siblings or anything like that and you yeah. know, your sibling does something to piss you off and then you come back at them. And all of a sudden, like, that's what gets the other gets the attention. You're like, but he did this. And it's like, I don't care what he is. I, I saw you do I this. I saw you.
1: That's yeah. what happened.
0: And I mean, hey, they went back and they looked at it and everything. I think they gave a technical to Sabonis, if I'm correct. But they dished out a flagrant for Draymond because it's not a basketball play. Like you said, like he's not going for the ball or anything here. He's literally just trying to harm someone. And this is kind of just what Draymond Green does. This is what Draymond Green does. And this is what. His career has devolved into, in my opinion, this is the only thing that he brings to a team at this point to give them a competitive edge. He's loud. He's going to get under people's skin. And when it gets to a situation like that, when he feels like his team is losing momentum, he does something like this. He punches people. He kicks them in the groin. He stomps on them. He tries to pull down their pants or dive at their legs. He did that to Jalen Brown in the finals and it swung momentum towards the Warriors way, you know, like, that's kind of what he does. And I don't know if it's going to change the energy of this series. They are going back to Golden State, but it is something worth monitoring because now he's going to be out for one game. If the Warriors end up losing that game, I'm not really confident in them being able to win four straight unless there's some kind of injury, which I hope not because I think the Kings really deserve this. You know, it's a pretty likable team. Mike Brown, uh, coach of the year winner. Uh, first time the awards ever existed but a uh, clutch player of the year goes to uh, to Aaron Fox he's also a very likable player as well so that franchise has been through so much and I feel like they kind of deserve to have that chance to move on and they the atmosphere in these games has been fantastic like it's a great series and that's kind of why I think the stuff with Draymond really bothers me most because it's been a really good competitive series like it's the, down to like the final buzzer in game one and game two was pretty close with that. Like it gets very, um, contentious, you know, they're fighting back and forth makes for good playoff basketball. People love to watch that stuff. And then that thing happens. And I'm not going to excuse what the Sabonis did, whether he's protecting his face or not, he did grab his leg and like, yeah, I don't blame Draymond Green for being angry. I do blame Draymond Green for doing what he did, though. Exactly. It's, it's, he could have kicked him or, like, you know, ripped his leg away, chewed him a new, you know, whatever. <laughs> but like, it's uncalled for, and I don't even know. Like, it's crazy to me that there are people like naturally like you can't suspend Draymond. It's like, uh yeah, yeah, you can because this is what he does. He has a he's a reputation of doing this. He tried to punch he tried to punch LeBron in the junk in the finals before. Poor Steven Adams has <laughs> been split like a cherry tree right up the middle. Like, oh, my. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's kicked people before in the groin. Like, what do you want? Like, this is, this is the reputation that you have, man. You're not going to get the benefit of the doubt if this is, like, all you're noted for on the floor now. Like, people are like, yeah, Draymond Green's, like, known for defense. But no one's like, let me think of, like, Draymond Green highlight plays. OK, wow, this amazing block or like this amazing, incredible play. No, the, the thing that people think about is that he's dirty. And that's what his reputation has become. Whether it's rem- fair or not, that's what it is. Man.
1: Do you remember the play against the Celtics where he like suplexed Marcus Smart off of a screen?
0: Yeah, he like knocked over like two people. He knocked over <laughs> smart and then like he, like, it was in the finals and he, he screened smart and like knocked him down to the floor and then he hit someone else. Somebody got were,
1: suplexed. Like he literally scooped him oh, up.
0: He went like flat backed and they went like topsy turvy, no, right? I gotta
1: find it. I gotta find it. <laughs> Send it there's to a, me after. There's a play where he, I felt like he went down first from a screen, but then he got up and then. He literally boofed like suplexed and threw the flip the Celtic player over him. I I'll find it and i it to you. I feel like it's
0: smart. You. It sounds like it, that it sounds like a smart right. thing.
1: Like I just going back he's, and forth to him. He's just a I don't want to say he's a dirty player, but he has a dirty mind. I will say that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the way to put it. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I think we're going to wrap up for today. Uh, got f- at least one more. By the time this episode drops, it will be Friday. Yes. And we will have game three going on. That's a 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tip-off. So this one's going to be in Atlanta. I don't mind the early tip-off, to be honest. Let's okay. me like, figure out the rest of my night and evening and all that stuff. So Good point. Um, anything else you got for us today, Wayne?
1: Nah, man. I just expect the Celtics to go down there and be the Boston the Celtics. They... I just want to remind everybody they haven't lost to this team all season. And I just don't feel like it's going to happen. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how weird it looks, they will find a way to pull this win out. Amen to
0: that. All right. With that, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Vitamin C's podcast. Again, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. We'll catch you next time. Cheers. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet.